Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court and CPS issues. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, and today I'd like to honor alienated parents next month on International Parental Alienation Awareness Day. Epiphany Awaits is offering a faith-based retreat for alienated parents with both in-person and a Zoom option on April 23rd through the 25th, 2021 at the Resolution Center in Jackson, Florida. Only $100 for the weekend support for the journey with speakers including Dr. Mark Roseman and other professionals focused on guidance, friendship, and compassion. Seating is limited and discount applies to registration before March 15th. And after March 15th, it will be $125. Scholarships are available. Email request for application and registration form to epiphaniesawait at gmail.com. And that is E-P-I-P-H-A-N-I-E-S-A-W-A-I-T at gmail.com. Now, today I've got a very important guest, and he is from Sweden. He is Dr. Bjorn Sirval. Uh, he is an associate professional professor in the Faculty of Medicine at the Karolinska Institute, Stockholm, Sweden. Dr. Cedarvall has worked as a scientist and an educator in the field of medicine at several universities and also as a specialist in the nuclear power industry. He learned about parental alienation following the divorce of a close relative, which escalated to a nightmare during Uh, the winter of 2018. That prompted him to study scientific papers on a wide range of topics relating to parental alienation as well as aspects of the child protection system. As Dr. Cedarvall is partially retired, he is now committed to increase the awareness of parental alienation in Sweden. So I'd like to do a warm welcome, Dr. Cedarvall. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm doing fine here in Stockholm. Um, yeah, I. Uh, you may wonder what I will bring up here. So for some of you who listen to this may not be aware of what parental alienation actually is about. So I, um, I will give you a, um, uh, a review of a typical, the typical character of a parental alienation case. And um, so you will hear many of the key elements that would be there. And uh, after going through this, I'll also discuss uh, uh, the interactions with the social services and uh, uh, the, cor- uh, the courts. I'm not a lawyer, as you understand, but um, I still had to uh, to look into this aspect of these problems. I, I can mention that I began to read scienti- the original professional scientific literature about 50 years ago. So, and this has been a wide range of topics. Um, so it was relatively easy for me to go into this new field. Um, I had the English, I had the medical terminology and so on. So this, of course, helped me a lot to get into the professional literature. Okay, so I should say first that uh, my first reference case is actually a relative's case that I got to see from the inside. And it follows a standard pattern from the manipulated, manipulative aspect of uh, and uh, with an alienating parent, as well as the social services and how how they react and what then follows in the legal phase. Mm-hmm. And my relative's case ended up, uh, uh, the children ended up with the alienating parent and the social services helped with that. So um, the bad parent here, the alienator, was able to leave Sweden with the two children for a distant country. And this was about one year ago. Mm. So um, this is of course, one source of information, but I also was in touch with um, more than hundred other parents or other relatives who lost contact with their children. And of these more than 100 cases, I estimate that about 
uh, a little more than 70 have been parental alienation cases. And uh, of those, a little more than 70 in turn, uh, 24 are mothers, mm -hmm. which makes it about 30% of the cases. Um, so that is not the same as saying this is a gendering issue. I, I will come back to that. And also, in addition, I have all these professional articles. I must have um, a total of many hundreds of sources of information besides these parents, which also reflect the character of my relative's case. Uh, I should perhaps first comment a little about the history of parental alienations. Some of, of it can uh, be tracked back to the 1800s or 200 years ago. And in a more modern sense, um, there was an Austrian um, psychiatrist or child psychiatrist who um, actually one of the students of Sigmund Freud, uh, Wilhelm Reich, and he wrote something in, it was published in Ger uh, German in 1933 and it was but in English, we would call it character analysis. And it was translated into English in 1949. And mm. there he points at um, the worst thing a malicious parent can do. Um, a vindictive uh, a parent who is full of hate and uh, lust of revenge and all these things, what this parent, the worst this parent can do is to destroy the loving, the love relationship between the other parent and the child. So there is a target and you can, in a sense, perhaps see this as a, uh, one of the, probably more triggers than that, but one trigger uh, that later uh, led to the understanding of parental alienation. And it came in steps because it was also the understanding of fundamental psychology that's related to what's going on in this uh, family dynamic. And we shall say and emphasize that what we're talking about here are cases where there is no evidence of any type of physical or sex sexual uh, abuse of the child. So it, it, it's entirely a um, um, manipulation of the, um, in an emotional way. You can call it emotional abuse of the child, uh, which is a, a core ingredient here. It's, uh, I'll come back to the manipulation. Um, <clears throat> Uh, a typical situation in Sweden is a divorce when perhaps two, uh, 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 the average of two children, 1.8, but say two children per family, they are in kinder kindergarten, they may be four to seven years old, and maybe one of the kids comes home from the other parent and says, daddy or mommy is dangerous. Mm -hmm. Daddy or mom, mommy says that the other parent is going to be taken by the police. Daddy or mommy says that uh, uh, the other parent shall be thrown in jail. Mm -hmm. This is what the five-year-old is saying. And so th that's just one of the first flags. And you may just sort of wipe it off and say it sounds ridiculous and you don't, don't take it seriously. But this is a very serious red flag because it's telling that <clears throat> this alienating parent um, is trying to uh, get the child to believe that the other parent is dangerous. So, okay. So that, uh, then in parallel with <clears throat> these types of messages, there is bad mouthing. Um, the father and mother is spreading rumors of the worst kind, two school representatives, other children's parents, neighbors, and so on. And after some years, this results in isolation of both the target parent and the children. 
I say target parent, sometimes you could also say alienated parent. The parent who gets the false, uh, is accused uh, in a false way and so on. So <clears throat> then you may have say five to eight years of brainwashing of the kids. And what does that mean? Um, it has to do with, <clears throat> with changing the children's history to be biased against the other parent, the target parent, uh, manipulation of the children's capacity for thinking in a logical and critical way. So they will see things in black or white, not only about the parents, uh, their other children, okay, that's a good one, white one, there's a black one, or I, I'm not meaning this in a racial sense, it's just is the object black or white and it's mm -hmm. neither in shades of gray in between. Um, um, in parallel with this comes also multiple litigations with attempts to manipulate the 50-50 custody situation and there will be crazy basis for the many lawsuits. Um, and there are many, many <clears throat> uh, varieties of this. Uh, one such ex uh, example along the way was a parent counterfeiting the target parent's handwriting to extract a large sum of money from the other parent. Um, when the children get a little older, they have their email uh, addresses and mobile phones and so on. Um, <clears throat> the alienating parent will typically interfere with uh, um, or manipulate the children's mobile phones, emails, etc., or just block messages or answer with text messages. And it's actually the mother or father, the bad mother or father who is dictating mm -hmm. what the child must write or they write this themselves. There will be interference with custody changes when the child is uh, supposed to change from one week to the next. Often this begins with subtle little things that you may think is not so important that they steal 10 or 15 minutes um, when leaving or receiving the child and so on. And this is just a way of testing the system. And uh, then when you have a few more months, say it may not be 15 minutes, but maybe one and a half or an hour or something like that. And so that's how it begins. Um, the alienating parent typically eliminates toys or other items that were presents to the children from the other family half. And this may, may mean throwing away the presents or selling them on the Swedish eBay or, <clears throat> or well, anything as long as the child does not get these presents. And then these parents tell the child that's a uh, or children, that the target parent never cared about the child or loved the child. Look, this is why you don't get any Christmas presents. He never uh, loved you, never cared about you, et cetera, et cetera. So this is target, targeting the love bond between the child and the other parent. And so you can just say this is one of the most cruel forms of emotional child abuse one could think of to attack the love bond between the mm -hmm. child and the other parent. Um, another ingredients you, or ingredient you may find is that the alienating parent works for years to change the names of the children mm -hmm. and tell the child to, instead of calling mom or daddy, uh, exactly mommy and daddy instead by their first names. So they're encouraged to say to their mother, if, uh, if her mother, the mother's name is Mary, they're supposed to, the child is supposed to say Mary or, or if the father is Charlie, it's gonna be Charlie instead of mommy and daddy. So, um, and they go along by changing their names uh, when they sign in, for instance, at school activities, they may drop the other parent's last name. Um, they change 
the child's name in, say, their school, the textbooks they have in school. And so they just work on this systematically, um, which is, of course, a way of manipulating the child's identity. This later in life will be very destructive for the child because when the child later understands that they have el eliminated half of themselves, this becomes, of course, the psychological problem for, for this, um, this child. And this is also against the intention of one of the paragraphs in the UN Convention for the Rights of the Child. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> when, at least here in Sweden, typically when the, they, uh, the children are, say, 8 to 10 years old, the alienating parent interferes with all forms of contact with the children and also comes up with false allegations about se sexual and physical abuse and, and so on. Um, the parent, alienating parent, may re recruit the child as a spy mm -hmm. to report anything that could be exploited against the other family half. Um, <clears throat> another common problem is intrusion when the children are with the other, uh, well, with the target parent. So the, here is the week the child is supposed to have with this target parent. And the alienating parent will then call or send text messages to the child. Um, and it can be quite extreme. I'm aware of two such cases where in both cases, the alienating parent actually sent 50 uh, either called or sent text messages 50 times during a 24 hour period. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this is, of course, aimed at distracting the child from what's going on oh, in the yes. other parent's house. Mm -hmm. um, and they may also tell the child that he or she, this could be a text message or, uh, for instance, should have no guilt feelings because he or she is with a target parent. So this is actually a way of invoking uh, guilt feelings in the children, which is one of the major psychological problems they also get later in life. Mm -hmm. In addition, we may have gaslighting. Mm -hmm. And um, for those who are not familiar with the word, I recommend that you simply Google the word. But it is about changing facts and manipulating cause-effect logic and to confuse the other part. Uh, so between the two parents, this one parent is gaslighting. The other parent may go like this. No, I never said that. You misunderstood it. Or no, you never listen. Or no, this was not in May. I told you that in February. So they're changing the time in scenarios. And this way you cannot draw conclusions about causes and effects. And the gaslighted parent can become very confused and even begin to try uh, um, uh, uh, disbelieve him or herself. Mm -hmm. um, like, like almost make them think they're going crazy. Exactly. The, the word ga gaslighting goes back to a movie that was around uh, 1940 or something. Yes. Um, then we can say that when this, uh, the social services become involved, mm -hmm. this can become absolutely catastrophic. Oh, yes. Um, <clears throat> when I say social services, you should, in this context, think about the CPS, the Child Protection Services, as you call them, at least in U the United States. But I will just say social services. And so when there are false uh, accusations or unlikely improbable uh, accusations of physical and sexual abuse of the children, the social services will typically believe this. They don't question it. They just believe it. 
-hmm. And uh, they are incapable of the social services of investigating complex family dynamic. Um, I should say here again that, okay, 70% of the PA parental alienation cases in Sweden seem to be driven by an alienating mother, but it is incorrect to conclude that this reflects a behavioral gender difference. The explanation is instead that the mother often has more time with the child and therefore a larger possibility to alienate the child uh, from the other parent. Mm -hmm. But alienating fathers are just as bad if they get the chance to act as alienators. So uh, um, when you, there have been analysis done of this uh, and it seems like there, this is actually uh, completely gender neutral when it comes to the parents' behavior. It's all about the, whether they have the, the possibility of manipulating the children or not. Mm -hmm. um, but then in addition, unfortunately, social services or custody evaluators are often biased against the father. But they can also discriminate against the mother. So this is I'm not trying to claim that this is consistent, but the discrimination can have a number of grounds. Um, so it's not only about uh, whether you happen to be a mom or a dad, but it seems like they discriminate on an, against a number of things they find, I would call them different with quotation marks. And by that, I mean the evaluators thinking something like, I don't like it, or I don't understand it. And this uh, bias can be against parents who have a high education, for instance, higher than themselves, or it can be a parent who has a very low uh, education, barely past high school, and then they've uh, are biased against them for that reason, or um, it can be a parent who has a creative type of job, scientist or artist or something that they simply don't understand. I myself had a father who was an artist. I grew up in a big mess and I'm just happy that there were no social services around by that time because mm -hmm. it would probably sent me to some bad home or something. Oh. Um, <clears throat> but um, one of the things they, uh, they often discriminate against is if the, one of the parents know the laws, mm -hmm. what, what paragraphs they, uh, they may point at paragraphs and tell the social services, hey, you're not supposed to do this or that according to this and that. And then it seems like the social services just want to punish uh, or sometimes they just threaten the parent with taking the child away from him or her and send the, the child to some family home or something, just because they, uh, it's some type of revenge thing. Uh, I'm not saying that all of them are like this, but uh, I know I'm aware of a number of cases. So Yeah, me too. You want to. <laughs> yes. Uh, the social services, the custody evaluators, they act as psychologists, as child psychiatrists, psychotherapists, judges, and the police. Mm -hmm. But they have no formal competence for any of these roles. Uh, very often you may think that the best thing would be to involve the police actually, but they don't want those involved. They just take and take these decisions themselves. And they listen to this <clears throat> accuser. And, and what follows is that they protect the children. And I say protect with quotation mark. They protect the children against the target parent. Mm -hmm. The parent who is innocent, who is not driving this madhouse. Mm-hmm. And the accused parent then loses con contact with his or her children. 
and the children in turn, they're very quickly turned against the target parent also. Um, and what this can, I have seen this myself, how uh, children can use the worst words. Even Swedish kids know the American four letter words of the worst kind mm -hmm. and may use such a language against the other parent or just show, send them a, some icon with the middle finger mm -hmm. as a text message to the other parent or something like that. And um, this is often reflects either the, the other children that they are have as friends who have the same type of language or it's actually the alienating parents language that's reflected there but but anyway what the bottom line of this is that the children can flip over in three three weeks or just two months to become very aggressive hostile against the other, other uh, innocent parent mm -hmm. um then the case eventually um ends up in court I should, to simplify the description here, say that we have a, I'd call it two steps, which we can call uh, the social services level. So first there is one evaluation by one, uh, or in the first step, and this evaluation is sent to the second step another evaluation by the social services. And finally, this report from the second step is sent to the court. Now, my point here is that this is a linear system. <clears throat> so if there's something wrong <clears throat> at the first step, this will follow up into the court and the court will believe whatever it was there as well, whether this was all true, they won't question anything. And you have children involved here very often as witnesses also, mm -hmm. which brings me to the history of witch hunting. Mm -hmm. Because several hundred years ago, um, uh, 500 years, it was actually a period of about 500 years, at least in Europe, where people just said, and, these are witches or it was the inquisitions religious reasons that for without any evidence just point at some person this is a bad one and so there were uh, children i think there was one in massachusetts or uh, something like that around 200 years ago two three hundred years ago who uh, uh, by w witnessing uh, about witches in effect uh, killed mm -hmm. several dozens of, of uh, uh, people, probably women. So they may even have killed their own grandmother or something. Mm -hmm. Someone wanted to get, get rid of that one. They would tell the kid, okay, this is a witch. You've got a witness about this. And the child became adultified, felt like a grown up, very proud of being able to say who is a witch not understand what he or she was doing. But I, I think this is a, in, in the psychological way, roughly the same thing. It's just that we don't burn people any longer. We instead de destroy their families, separate children from their good enough parents. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we should remember again, this is not about parents who uh, physically or sexually uh, abuse their children. So uh, it's all about emotional abuse. Um, all right, so the case ends up in family court and the alienating parent, the bad one, gets single custody. Mm -hmm. And usually they, uh, the court then writes that there is a large responsibility for the pa parent who gets a single custody to make sure that the child gets to um, uh, meet the other parent. And as it seems, this simply does not work in most cases because an alienating parent is not going to apply with court orders, just feels authorized or, or entitled to uh, not 
being uh, having to follow court orders. And so the target parent and the extended family, they completely lo lose contact with the child after that. So <clears throat> now, this is a general outline, the character of what an alienation heart might, may run through the procedure. And this whole procedure may take anything from one, two, three, four years. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of money turnover. Uh, this is even in Sweden, a multi-billion dollar in divorce industry. It's very costly. It's very costly, not only for the society, if you take the cost of the courts and uh, all these uh, lawyers involved, and some of this is taken by insurance companies, you have the health sector because these children will eventually get various types of medical problems. Um, part of this because their academic results will be poor at school. Some of them are dropouts. They're uh, high, in high risk of being dropouts. They're in the increased uh, risk of being uh, that they become dr drug addicts or end up in prison. And this is all this involves the police and those at the jails and, and so on. So, I mean, from the societal point, this is very expensive. But then you also have the cost for the child, him or herself. And no one has tried to calculate this. But I think that just having bad results from school, if you think about the long-term lifelong effect and getting a, a, a pension that's not so good and many other things in life which have to do with decision-making, uh, whether you are doing it in a, an impulsive way or rational way and so on will affect your long-term economy. My guess, but uh, I just emphasize now, it's my guess, I, I gave this some thoughts, how much could it be? But I think a typical child will lose as a long-term effect a couple of million US dollars equivalent lifelong, mm -hmm. at, at least. It's the order of magnitude, I'm absolutely sure. But you need interdisciplinary teams with people, I mean, not only economists, or, uh, but other people to really analyze this, but it's never done. It seems like it's completely forgotten that the child is uh, often thrown into poverty because of the whole situation. And, um, uh, then in addition, I mean, you can, some of the damage here cannot be measured in mon monetary terms at all. I, I mean, for, uh, psychological abuse, you cannot put a, a price tag on that, mm -hmm. but, uh, I mean, losing your loved ones, you can't put, uh, put some, uh, money value on that. So mm -hmm. the causes are, of course, um, very, uh, or results are very severe and so on. Now, I was going to switch over to the legal system and the change of the law 15 years ago, but may maybe you had a question there, Marianne. Well, I just had a question. Um, when they're bad-mouthing the target parent, um, yeah. the alienator is doing this within the school districts and making yeah. the um, target parent look really bad. Then the teachers look down on this parent. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. got this problem over there in Sweden. Oh, oh very often. Okay. And, and also, <clears throat> just a detail here, but when it comes to schools, uh, if one parent holds the information about the child because it's single custody, but the other one has visitation rights. Typically, the alienating parent will not tell the other parent when the school is over for the day. So that parent is trying to call or whatever to get this information. The alienating parent will not answer. Right. Or just say it's none of your business or something. And so what does the target parent do? He or she goes to school to find his or her kids. 
and the kids may be 10 or 11 years old. And this use often causes a stir at the school and they say, what the hell is this parent doing there at the schoolyard? Um, and the target parents just trying to figure out where, where his children or her children are. So this is turned against the target parent saying he's a stalker or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of one case where they said such a parent, they, it was a father, and the, they, uh, uh, the custody evaluators wrote that he preferred, preferably is among young girls. Now, his children were two young daughters about the same age. So of course the children, the daughters who are about 10 years old, they have girlfriends who are about 10 years old also. So this is a type of guilt by association. But this is a type of uh, stupid things that you can read in reports. There are, I've seen many absolutely ridiculous claims. Um, one was um, a family who lives out in the countryside. And in the countryside, they have their, I mean, they're growing things. They have um, cattle and all these things you find out in the countryside. And when the social services come there, uh, unannounced to see what it's like uh, in, in, with this family, four children. The mother is st standing there, um, do you say axing? She's using an axe. How do you say? Cutting up or what's the word? Axing. Like, cho like chopping up wood? Exactly. For, for just heating purposes and so on. Chopping up wood. All right. And so she just meets these two ladies, she doesn't know who they are, puts down the accent and says hello or something. And then after this meeting, uh, this, uh, the evaluators wrote, the mother came with an accent in her hand. Uh, well, what are you supposed to believe? I mean, if they come at dinner, they can say the father was there with a knife in the kitchen mm -hmm. because he was uh, doing the onions or something. Uh, and so, now, I'm not saying that all, all evaluators and so on are like this, but I've seen quite a few absolutely absurd uh, comments of this kind in the evaluators' reports, and they actually don't know how to write reports. I mean, right. as, uh, uh, because you got to have a solid me method, you got to know what premises to use. If, if you if we begin with the, an accusation of physical abuse, the first thing you should do is, so of course, have a, um, an opposite type of hypothesis, which essentially says um, this parent may actually be lying. That would be a part of the method to, to try the alternative hypothesis, but they don't set that there. And when the method is not solid, you cannot evaluate anything because the ana analysis will be wrong and the conclusions will be wrong. Mm -hmm. And I would say that uh, from what I've seen, all, almost every single, many, many, I, I would say probably more than thousands of um, close looks at trusted evaluations from the point of being um, based on facts and logic and that the, from a legal point, are safe. And I have never heard of such a report that fulfills these fundamental criteria. So I would say that is a rule, that these people cannot do these investigations. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to work with this, uh, a method that has the um, uh, legal safety that uh, you should uh, expect. Now, with the Swedish legal system, there's one important thing I want to bring up, and that's a change in the law 
that came in 2006. If I wrote to one of these authorities in Sweden and asked them about the statistics of high conflict custody disputes that reached the courts, and I wanted as far back as possible. So they had it from the year 2000 and on. So that's what I got. And I could see that these high conflict custody disputes reaching the local family courts was roughly about 2,600 per year up until the year 2006, a fairly constant. Today we are at about 7,300, 7,400 per year. This is an increase by 180% plus 180%. If you call the first 100%, you would say it was 280% now, but plus 180%. So what happened in 2006? Well, the law was changed in such a way as to um, say, if the parents cannot agree, the court must give single custody to the best parent which is a, a very strange concept because I, I said earlier here, good enough parent. If they're good enough, both of them, there should not be such a thing. Now, if we go back to the year 2000, and I've looked at the literature decades before that, there is, was already then plenty of evidence saying that the best for the child is to have access to both parents. It's a very clear message. So how on earth could our politicians in Sweden come up with this crazy law, which actually is driving conflicts? Because what happens is that, well, if we go back to the false accusations and all that. Um, so here are these allegations and they're doing their, their custody evaluations and they cannot find any evidence for the physical abuse. You may think as a target parent that you can go home and play with your kids as usual after that. This is not the case. Um, instead, it's just like this is forgotten. They, they don't look anymore at those false or these accusations, which probably are false. They're unreasonable. They don't make sense or whatever. And now they're instead looking at who is the, bad, uh, the worst parent. So this becomes mudslinging, you know, and the level is in, absolutely incredible. It can be like the, uh, the children's rabbit died while, while the rabbit was with that daddy or, or mommy. And therefore this other parent is a bad parent or the kid doesn't get to eat in the other parent's home. It's just made up stupidity and mm -hmm. uh, it could be that one kid just wanted to eat, eat all the ice cream but nothing else and and then this is turned against the parent with the ice cream say, uh, saying that the kids don't get enough to eat uh, I, I mean that's the level of the whole thing but what does the alienator do here first of all they're usually sent to mediators uh, psychotherapists, uh, uh, those who try to heal families, which never works with an alienator. The alienator is going to say, okay, yeah, I think it's good with some mediation and psychotherapy. My, my ex needs that. Uh, he or she has some psychological problems. So it would be good for him or her to have this. And they try to pretend that they're positive to this uh, me mediation thing. But they are actually not interested in this at all. That's the least thing they want. They don't want to cooperate, but they know that they must pretend to be interested in cooperating. So they, they start that and then they back out and they blame the other parents uh, parent for not cooperating and they get single custody in the end. This law came in, in effect 2006, and um, after that, the uh, 
the, these high conflict divorces just uh, increased much more rapidly than the, the increase of the population. So it's obvious that uh, this is a cause effect situation. Mm -hmm. um, there's one more thing I, I think should be mentioned here, and it's about the alienating parents. Um, there is a YouTube video by Dr. Stephen Miller, mm -hmm. and, the, um, and he is a witness in a court case, um, a witness about parental alienation. There are several versions of this YouTube video, but you can <clears throat> take the shortest one, which is about seven minutes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just want to bring up a few elements from that video. First of all, it's what Dr. Miller calls attribution error. Mm -hmm. And so he says, okay, here's the mother with the daughter, but as he says, it could be the father instead these days, that's not the point. But the social services, they are looking at this mother and daughter. Look here, how happy they seem to be with one another. It must be a very good, strong, loving relationship. And then they look at the father and he is angry, very irritated because he doesn't get to see his child. And they look at him and they say, look there, he's angry, he's a bad man. Mm. And uh, it could even be something else, like someone stole his car earlier that day or whatever. But of course, the parent who loses the uh, contact with his or her children, that they are shocked and upset. And this, uh, uh, this reaction is often misunderstood. And furthermore, that relationship um, that looks loving and so on is actually pathological, it's too strong because the alienating parent is um, manipulating the child in such a way that um, the child is hindered from becoming an independent um, individual. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually, they're supposed to stand on their own legs. Their alienating parents are peeling the potatoes for their 14-year-old kids, and when they're 20 years old, they still don't know how to fill, fill out forms from the authorities or something like that, because they don't help their children with these basic things. And it's a way to keep the children with themselves, making sure the child does not uh, get the driver's license or whatever, mm -hmm. just so they, they will have them with themselves. So it's not that the kid can leave when they, uh, automatically when they're 18. Uh, this often continues after in, into young adulthood some of these crazy things. Now back to this little video with Dr. Stephen Miller again. He also says regarding the personality of the alienator, that these typically have three, at least three psychiatric personality disorders. And um, we should then know that there's a group of personality disorders, psychiatric, which is cl called cluster B. And so the first is antisocial uh, personality disorder, PD. The second is narcissistic PD. Then we have borderline PD and histrionic PD. Histrionic is like drama queens. These people want attention. Mm -hmm. um, and if we... I should also say that the antisocial consists of sociopathy and uh, psycho psychopathy. Um, so uh, Dr. Miller then points out that most of these bad uh, uh, alienators um, have at least three of them. They're sociopaths. They have borderline BD and they have a narcissistic PD, which means that they lack 
uh, empathy. Mm -hmm. They can be grandiose. They can be impulsive. Um, and um, the world is all around them, mm -hmm. all for them. It's important to understand that the word narcissistic is often used in daily language in a looser sense, where you refer to someone who just likes him or herself to some extent. Uh, and uh, I say even I like myself to, to some extent, but I, mm -hmm. I, I don't think it means that I belong to the worst kind here. But these, mm -hmm. uh, but in this context, it's a psychiatric disorder. If you take the loser sense, you'll probably have at least 20% of the general population. Mm -hmm. So these people are highly manipulative and they have a lifestyle of lying. It's a way of surviving to manipulate and lie. They're experts on lying and manipulating. If they were not experts on it, they would not do it because uh, their disguise would be revealed. People would see through what they're doing. Then they couldn't continue with this type of behavior. Mm -hmm. So, and then if we go, you may ask, okay, why does this one person marry the narcissist? Well, they're experts on pretend that they're, they usually start the relationship with love bombing the other parent. And then after one year or something, it starts going the other way. Um, but so my point is just that they were able to manipulate their partner. And now, if you extrapolate into the future, these manipulators meet the social services. And they are supposed to detect the manipulators and liars by meeting them perhaps for a few hours or something. I would say, and the same with the court people, they're absolutely chanceless. The only way to deal with this is to go through these um, provable uh, lies and manipulations, just like if it were a criminal case, because these individuals actually function as criminals. Um, I should say also regarding the manipulations here, <clears throat> a very common element that goes hand in hand with all the other things I mentioned here <clears throat> is that they they want to control all information about their child. It's the same pattern as you have with cult leaders, for instance. And the Definitely. psychological consequences for these children are roughly the same. They fall into four categories that always seem to be there for the severe cases of parental alienation. The mild ones may not be of this kind. Hmm. You have three levels, mild, moderate, and severe. But if we talk about the severe, those children will have low self-esteem. Um, they will get uh, depressions, guilt feelings, and um, they will also, uh, lack trust in others and themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, those are and there can be other problems as well. But those are those parallel to the symptoms you see with those who suffer from cult leaders, etc. Um, let me see if I have some other thing I want to bring up. I can see I'm involved with the number of networks here. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, in Sweden, like, and, like uh, uh, support groups, yeah. And um, what else could I mention here? Well, we have a few problems I will just mention very briefly because these <clears throat> are related to common erroneous assumptions made by the social services and. One is that they say one can always tr trust what the child says. Mm 
And it has been known for at least about 100 years that it's quite easy to manipulate a child. And you can do it in a number of ways. I won't go into this, but uh, there's, suggest there's suggestive questioning and there's body language and uh, mm -hmm. uh, intonation and other things when you speak with them and so on. Um, another erroneous assumption is that they say the problem will disappear by itself when the child gets older. This is never true. It always gets worse. Or you say the mother is always the best. These are three uh, of the problems we have here. Um, I can also say that according to a few uh, sources, I, I haven't the original references on this, but uh, it seems like the consumption of antidepressant drugs among Swedish children and young adults is actually the highest in the world. And th this goes along with the diagnosis. They put labels on the children, um, autistic dis uh, problems or ADHD, ADD. Um, Asperger belongs nowadays to autism. So this is not my, <clears throat> my field of ex expertise at all. I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a psychologist, but I, I can just read what the conclusions other people uh, have come down to. So um, I think I will end there. I, I, <clears throat> a general comment is just that the overall picture seems to be quite uh, common among most Western countries, West-oriented countries. The parental alienation is known from at least 60 different West-oriented countries. This is such a bad global problem and these kids are suffering from it and so are the alienated parent. Uh, mm -hmm. it's and it's making, you know, the kids sick. I mean, some kids have stomach ulcers. They can't sleep at night. They're anxious. They've got anxiety issues. I, it, you can go on. But uh, the other parent just doesn't seem to care as long as they win. Exactly. It's like some primitive tribal war or, or, or fight. It is about winning. The, um, it's about them. It's not about their children. Mm -mm. Um, I mean, even as going as so far as your child needing dental care or braces, they won't, they won't do it just because they know you want the kid to have braces, they'll spite you by just having the kid's teeth rot and just to mm -hmm. spite you. Well, I, <clears throat> I, I want to mention one little thing more here when you say this about what they're doing with the kids and so on. Um, many of these target parents actually want to have some order in the home. The kids should go to bed at 9.30 uh, do their homework, brush their teeth, not eat candy seven days per week, and so on. And the alienating parent will usually then not have those rules at home. So the kid then draws the conclusion that this other parent, where you don't need to go to bed at 9.30 and you don't need to do your homework, will be the best parent. And now the kids know when they're 10 years old, that they are entitled more or less to throw out the other parent. The kids mm -hmm. tell each other this. So they can just say, why don't you kick out your mommy or daddy? Um, so you get rid of the bad one. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, you're supposed to listen to the child. And I think they very often misunderstand what the child's wishes are because uh, kid can be very badly manipulated by the alienating parent to tell lies or or even miss I would say it's not only about lies but also about that they simply think that they have an independent way of thinking about uh, whatever it is 
but they have actually copied their bad parents' way of thinking. This is called enmeshment. Mm -hmm. And so the child cannot distinguish between his or her ideas and that of the alienating parent. And how can the court people understand these things if they don't have a psychology type of background or something? So they just say, well, this 12-year-old doesn't want to be with mommy or daddy. And they give the single custody to the other parent. Mm-hmm. So that that's it. It's actually a big problem, I would say, in our country. Oh, that was interesting. Um, it's too bad, you know. And it's a global problem, and and everyone's trying to find a solution to fix this. You know. Um, I. I know that if you Google parental alienation, you will typically get between five and eight million hits today. Mm -hmm. There's an enormous amount of information about these cases. And if you, for instance, if you just take narcissism in the psychiatric sense, there are lots of YouTube videos on this. And they cover all sorts of aspects of of this uh, psychiatric problem. And very interesting is to see the comments to these videos, because there are so many people writing comments as witnesses and say, this is how I was abused as a child. And it's not one or two, you have Mm -hmm. tons of these people. So there's so much, of evidence about the parental alienation out there on on the internet. You have blogs, you have my website, I didn't mention that, ompa.se. OM is a Swedish word for about, and PA stands for parental alienation. So it's ompa, you can pronounce it, ompa.se. And it's in Swedish, but I have many English keywords here to help. Uh, foreign visitors around and actually 70% of my visitors are not people from Sweden so uh, you you will find many resources and uh, references there that's wonderful that's wonderful I thank you Um, would you like to be a return guest (laughs) I don't know I I think (laughs) I would perhaps rather bring in some other voice from my country think about that yeah definitely definitely i i may mention by the way i mean the person who coined the term parental alienation syndrome referred to the the behaviors and symptoms of the children was richard gardner who came up with this in 1985 but mm-hmm. actually the the phenomenon was studied from different view angles and perspective and perspectives so it was actually six independent groups or, or scientists who discovered the same phenomenon from the 1970s up until about 1993 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we had one Swede who wrote a newspaper article where he actually caught several of these ingredients already in 1979. He's mm-hmm. two years older than I. And as far as I understood, he's a couple of years older than me i met him a few times oh wow that's that's it's been around it'd be nice if it would go away (laughs) we have also we have a problem with the politicians that should be mentioned our minister of justice was asked several times over the past five months whether he knew anything about parental alienation and if he was going to do anything about it Mm -hmm. And it's obvious from his answers that he understands absolutely nothing about mm-hmm. this sick family dynamic. And mm-hmm. He just talks about, oh, we always think about what's best for the child and follow the UN Convention for the Rights of the Child, which we don't do at all in this country. It's a lot of violation against the child's right to family life and to his or her both parents and identity and so on. Uh, so 
I mean, that's where we need to begin politically in the mm -hmm. parliament. Definitely. And it's hard to do, you know, you have to have parents write in, have, you know, people complain about it, have enough complaints before they hopefully start listening. There's a lot of activities going on, people trying to write newspaper articles and so on, but we also have the media, uh, which often are against us about mm -hmm. these. I mean, I see every day the tabloid papers, the sensational media, with all this, which sells. This is how I dropped 20 pounds in six weeks or whatever, you know, all these mm -hmm. stupid things. And I mean, here we are dealing with a very serious, more or less epidemiological problem. It's very difficult to get the media attention to this. It is. It really is. Oh. Well, um, maybe in the future I'll have you on, or if you find someone else you want to put on, you let me know. And uh, Slam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in the family courtrooms that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough and cry out for justice poems of truth please join us again in the future for another exciting podcast and thank you again bjorn dr bjorn <laughs> okay thanks